Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Recap, coming to you after the New England Revolution managed a 2-1 win at last place, Sporting Kansas City. The Revs had a halftime lead through Gustavo Bo off a great assist from Dylan Barrero, and then gained a man advantage early in the second half through an Uri Rosell red card. But Johnny Russell equalized for Kansas City on a 52nd minute free kick. Fortunately for the Revs, Ima Boateng salvaged all three points, bundling home a rebound from a Gustavo Bo shot in the 87th minute. Uh, so a good 2-1 to victory for the Revolution and what maybe wasn't the best performance given who they were playing and the fact that a man advantage for just about 45 minutes. Uh, but I'm Sean Donahue. Joining me today is Chris Lucas. Chris, how's it going? You know, uh, I think I'd be doing a little bit better if there was a number nine on the Revs uh, tonight. I'm a little bit, you know, it's a little bittersweet for me. Uh, it was a good move for the Revs, but uh, overall, I can't really complain. Revs got three points uh, away from home. And uh, that's exceeding expectations, I think, when you when you look at uh, what you need, right? You want three three points at home, one on the road, and you get three on the road. That's always a good thing. A win is a win, as they say. And, uh, you know, you can only play the team you're up against. I know uh, we'll, we'll get into it, but I know, you know, Kansas City was down a man and definitely had a lot of players missing due to injury or international duty. But uh, the Revs still still took care of business and uh, got the win. So overall, I'm doing good. I'm doing yeah, good. I, I agree with you, but it's... It's worth for context pointing out that Kansas City missing two of their designated players, I think, for the rest of the season, right? Is that what, is that what they said? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, yeah. that's a huge blow to Kansas City um, and huge. just in general have not been good this year. Last place in the Western Conference. Uh, and then, of course, the red card in the 48th minute. Um, so three points is three points and three points on the road is, is you know, obviously the key. The key importance here is that the Revs got all three points, but... Maybe not as dominating a performance as you would expect, given you know the Revolution had the lead at halftime, went up a man, uh, and then you know needed an 87th minute goal from Ima Boateng to actually get all three points. Uh, but we'll we'll get more into it. I want to get right into our key takeaways, um, which today are brought to you by our friends at the Rebellion. Make sure you check them out at Any Rebellion on Twitter and on their website anyrebellion.org. Uh, Chris, there's, I think there are a lot of things you could take away from this one, but what, what was your key takeaway? And uh, as you kind of alluded to, the first game without Adam Buxa, who was transferred over to RC Lens officially this week. Yeah, uh, uh, you said it. You know, there's so many different things that we could take away. What I'm kind of going with is just this team is still looking to put it all together. They're still looking for their identity. Um, they grind, grinded out this win. Uh, they had a very good, uh, very promising attack. It's nice to see what the attack's possibly going to be looking like going forward. I know that there's been some talk about uh, another Adam Buxa style number nine possibly coming in. That's all hearsay. So until we actually hear anything um, a little bit more concrete, I'm going to assume that no, no one else is coming in and this is what we should expect. Uh, much like, uh, was it a two weeks ago um, before the, before the international break, uh, the revs looked very promising in attack and uh, really seemed to be able to, to press Kansas City for a lot of the game, even when it was uh, 11 v 11, the first 10 minutes, um, you know, throw that out because that was that was really uh, a rough 10 minutes, especially with that that turnover by Captoom and that bow yellow card. Um, but overall, I mean, you can see that the pieces are there and they're really putting it together. The problem is that they're just not getting the actual end product. So it, it it's 
it, it feels like a puzzle that's missing one or two pieces, or maybe that has a couple of pieces misplaced. Maybe they're playing the wrong formation. They keep trying out different things. Dylan Barrero looks fantastic. Uh, Matt Polster back really helped out um, the revolution. Uh, Carly's Hill and Gustavo Bo continue to link up very well off each other, but what's this team going to look like going forward? Uh, what, how's Sebastian Lejet going to be fitting in, especially with the addition of Dylan Barrero? How are they going to play together? What's the Josie situation going to look like? So there's still a lot of questions for what this looks like as far as like the attack goes. Um, the pieces are there. It's just a matter of how they're going to put it together and what additions are they going to get? Are they going to go get some other new pieces? I'm not sure. It's nice to see. It's promising to see, especially coming away with three points. And this team is still being able to grind out wins while trying to figure it out. But yeah, my takeaway is you can see that they're, they're still trying to figure it out. They're trying new things, different things. Uh, and then now with the the loss of uh, Adam Buxa and eventually the loss of uh, Matt Turner, it's going to really um, change the dynamics of this team uh, significantly. So it's hard to to get rid of your goalkeeper and your striker at the same time and keep any sense of form midseason. So I, I think overall we should be happy with the way that the Revs have been playing, considering that they don't have those players right now. Um, but uh, they just they, they need to get the final pieces put together. Yeah, I completely agree. I think there are a lot of question marks here and how this is going to look. And I, I, I want to jump into the lineup quickly since it kind of ties to what you were saying. Um, I think a lot of eyebrows were raised when they saw who the Revolution put out as their starting lineup in this one. Uh, Sebastian Legette, um, I, I didn't know he was injured. Twelman said he should be back Wednesday. That was you know, a guy that wasn't on the injury report and just not part of the 18, which I guess we should be or not 18 anymore. What is it, 21 or whatever it is, uh, not, or 20 rather. Um, I guess not something we should be surprised by anymore because I think all season there's been guys that just disappear and we don't know hear about until the game day. But that was a surprise. Um, and then McNamara, you know, at least listed as kind of a you know attacking winger um, in this formation. I thought he had kind of a weird role that was maybe too too free um, in his ability to roam. Um, but overall, it was a, a you know an unusual lineup. Captoon got the start. Polster in midfield. Uh, you know, Carles Heel, uh, McNamara, Dylan Barrero out wide. Gustavo Bo is kind of the lone striker ish. And then the the typical defense, except with Gonzalez over Kessler, because Kessler was still hurt. Were you were you surprised by that lineup? And you know, to me, I, I agree with you that there's still a lot of question marks because I don't think the lineup that we saw today um, is the Revs' best eleven by any stretch. My only real um, surprise was the fact that there was no Sebastian Legette. Uh, I didn't expect Tommy McNamara to be playing. Um, or if he did, I guess it would be it, either McNamara or Captain. One of those two would not be in there. Uh, and I think they both had poor performances overall tonight. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess the, the big surprise was just it, it was more the Legette thing, right? We still have a lot of question marks as to, to what else is going on. We don't know really when Henrik Hester is going to be back. Um but no, I mean, I guess not super surprised, I guess. Right. Uh, this is kind of oh, close to what the best 11 is going to be. Uh, Petrovic is supposedly going to be the number one keeper and he looks pretty solid. Um, Bo right now is our number one striker. I guess the only other thing is, is Josie Altidore, as I mentioned before. How is he going to fit in? Is he ever going to be 90 minutes match fit? Maybe was it because uh, of the temperatures? in Kansas city tonight. Maybe is it because there's They're only going to be on three days rest before going to play, uh, Orlando. Uh, there's a lot of question marks as to why Josie didn't get the start. I'm guessing it's just because he's still not match fit and probably won't be for a little while, but, um, no, no big, big question marks. Just what's going on with Sebastian Legette. Yeah. I, I agree with your point about Captain and McNamara not having the best games. And it, it's funny. You look at the stats after the game that 
Captoon pass at 91.4% passing accuracy. And I'm sure that was benefited by, you know, playing a chunk of that game up a man. But he, there was a couple of very noticeable, uh, notable rather, bad passes from him, you know, including mm-hmm. the one that you mentioned where you think Gustavo Bo got a yellow card or um, rather on yep. that. And then the one where Matt Polster got a yellow card where Gustavo, where um, Captoon had a bad pass. Uh, I thought he had a bad performance. I thought McNamara had a bad performance. McNamara only passed at 63.6%, which is, you know, pretty terrible in a game where you're up a man for a good chunk. Um, you know, he did have one shot on target, a decent shot, but overall I thought he had a bad game. So, you know, those two guys, um, I think certainly a lot could be improved upon. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 the, the lineup surprised me a little bit when I saw it, saw it out there in part because of the jet and then in part because McNamara was playing on the wing. I feel like if you're going to play that formation, um, I'd rather see Boateng starting as kind of the attacking guy over McNamara if Lejet's not available. But um, and of course Boateng did come on and, and scored the the game winner. Um, and mm-hmm. we know he's good off the bench, but I would have liked to have seen him start over McNamara if this was how they're going to play, or over Captain and have McNamara drop back into the midfield. It was just kind of a, a weird lineup. Um, and of course Omar Gonzalez getting another start with how poor he's been. <laughs> Although I, I don't I don't have much to blame him on in this game, um, but. You know, you know, a lot of his mistakes usually happen in the second half, and he didn't really get to play much in the second half, so maybe that was a, right. a reprieve for him. Um, but yeah, I think there's still a lot of question marks with this team and with how, with this attack and how it's going to play out now that Ambux is officially gone. Yeah, and by the way, if 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 Bruce wants to swap uh, Omar for Bell at the 55 minute mark, and it's going to look like this every single week, I'm fine with that because Gonzalez looked fine for the first 55 minutes until he got hurt, uh, and Bell looked pretty good overall when he came in. So. Uh, not a whole lot of complaints on the back line in general tonight. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of pressure, I guess, especially in the second half. But, um, yeah, that's uh, – Omar Omar looked a lot better. He didn't look like what we have come to know him as. I, I agree in the context of this game, but I still don't have trust in either of those two players <laughs> at this yeah, I'm point. Trying to, I'm trying to spin this. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the context of this game, I don't have much to complain about from either of them, but uh, I don't want to see either of them playing consistently. <laughs> consistently, I want Henry Kessler back for this Revolution team. I do too, yes. And I, I, don't think, I don't think this team can go very far if they don't have a healthy Henry Kessler um, or sign somebody else that could play that, play that spot, despite the fact that they got away with it today. <laughs> right, right. Um, but my takeaway is goes back to a player that you already mentioned that had a good game was Dylan Barrero. Um, and you know, we've heard a lot of talk that Dylan Barrero is going to be Tejan Buchanan for the revolution, or he's going to become that player. And from a distance, he kind of looks like him. You can, you can confuse the two of them if you're looking from a distance. Could, yeah. Um, and we've seen some of his dribbling skills. We've seen some areas that I think he still needs to get better on. I think in the final third, um, his touches let him down a few times when he's had an opportunity to finish his, his shot has let him down a few times, but what struck me in this game and what my takeaway is, is that Dylan Burrow offers something that Tejan Buchanan didn't. And that's kind of these passes that we've seen him, such as the pass on Gustavo Bo, where he played it, you know, kind of a long, perfectly weighted pass over the top that led to Gustavo Bo's goal. I don't think that's something that Tejan Buchanan has in his repertoire. And we've also seen him a couple times have some great crossfield passes. And none of those are really strong points of Tejan Buchanan. So, you know, Dylan Burrow is not as good as Tejan Buchanan yet. Let's not, you know, let's not confuse anything. He's not as good as Tejan Buchanan, but. Um, that aspect of his game is something that Tejan Buchanan didn't have. And I think that aspect of his game is going to prove really vital with Adam Buxa gone. Because when you have a guy like Gustavo Bo, it's less about sending crosses into the box and more about kind of these passes over the top and picking out good runs um, on the ground or you know over the top instead of from the wings. And Dylan Burrow offers that. So that was something that I think was very exciting to see from him. Um, and something that's going to serve the Revs very well going forward. 
but that was really my key takeaway is that you know Dylan Brewer looks to be a great signing for the Revs. I think he's still got a ways to go. Uh, Bruce Arena mentioned he's you know he's still developing, and I think he's he's got a lot more to offer the Revs than what we've seen so far. But uh, the early signs are really really good, and this looks like it's a great signing for the Revolution that he's going to be a guy that's going to contribute a lot to the Revs attack, and, and they needed that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you also mentioned that it, it, there's the comparison between Barrero and between uh, between him and uh, uh, Buchanan. And obviously you can see a lot of the similar, the play style is there. But uh, if your expectations are that Dylan Barrero is going to be exactly what Tejon Buchanan was uh, when he departed New England, it's just not feasible, right? If that was the case, Dylan Barrero would not be signing for the New England Revolution. He'd be signing somewhere else uh, in Europe right now. Uh, he's a bit of a, a project, if you want to say, a developmental piece. He has a lot of raw talent, and he comes to the Revolution a lot like Tejon came to the Revolution, where he had the raw talent. A lot like Dewan Jones, Brandon Bai, and many others came to the Revolution. They came with this raw talent. You know, you want to say Matt Turner, too, throw him in there. Um, and now you have Dylan Barrera, you have, you have Petrovic. They're both coming with this raw talent, and they're just going to be developmental pieces. And you can just see uh, what Barrera brings to the game with this pace, his quickness, uh, his ability to to see those passes that you were talking about. Um, it's it's just been really impressive and uh, a, a nice breath of fresh air um, to get to see that and and to have that sort of dynamic uh, playmaking, especially for such a young player. Um, it, hopefully, it's uh, just all all up and up for the Revolution and for Barrero. Yeah, and it, you know. I think we saw this year the Revs' attack could have been stale at times. So they, what he provides for the Revolution attack, I think, is going to be huge for the team um, going forward. And I, I think he'll just get better and better. And you know, he's not he's not Buchanan yet, but I, I do think there's a potential that he could develop to be as good of a player as Buchanan. And if he does, the Revolution will probably sell him in the future for a, a, quite a nice profit. So um, you know, he's definitely a guy to watch going forward. But I thought this was a very his first his first MLS start. I thought was very promising, um, and that assist to Gustavo Bo was really good. And he had you know several other plays. Um, several other passes that were really impressive. Uh, finished the game with 82.4% passing accuracy, one key pass. Um, 29 touches, maybe you'd like to see him a little bit more involved than that, but um, when he was involved, he did a, a lot with it. Um, he did have four unsuccessful touches, one time dispossessed, um, earned a foul, had one successful dribble. Um, but again, overall, I thought it was a really strong performance from him and excited to see what he has to go, you know, what, what he has to offer going forward. Still only 20 years old is important mm -hmm. to remember when, you know, a lot of these guys come to the revolution to the super, super draft. They're already 22, 23. So he's a very, very young player with a, a very exciting career ahead of him. Well, it's fun. You're, you're going through his stat list here and I'm looking at it as well. Um, according to FootMob, his expected assists is 0 0.09. And so he took that 0 0.09 uh, and 9% chance and he turned it into to that rainbow, not a flick, but, you know, whatever it was. And it was kind of some, some sort of flick. But he turned that, you know, that amount of chance. And, and maybe that was less than 0 0.09, that one play. Uh, so it shows you uh, how he can make something out of nothing. Uh, it was just really impressive, that one one specific play. And, and then overall, yeah, I'm just really excited to see what he can do. We talked about some good players. We talked about some underwhelming players. One guy I wanted to mention before we got to listener questions, although this was brought up in a listener question. Um, Ronnie Smalls asked, any concerns with Carlos Heel's body language slash decision making? And I wanted to bring him up to you both for that and for the fact that 
Uh, he only had one key pass in this game. You know, there was late in the game. He had a, was, I think it was like a three-on-two break where he had an opportunity to pass the ball back to Josie Altador. And, you know, Josie Altador, if he was in good form, I don't know if he is or not because he haven't really seen him have many chances. But if he's in good finishing form, probably would have scored there. Instead, he dribbled too much, and the keeper, I think, knocked it out and went out for a goal kick. Um, I thought he had a pretty bad game by his standards. You, you know, we're used to him seeing six, seven, eight key passes a game, one in this one. Um, and then, you know, when he asked, when he smiles, asked about body language, decision making, there was that play on a corner kick where uh, Carlos Hill, he thought he got fouled. I didn't think there was actually that much in that play. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just stopped playing and then led to a counterattack. And Dewan Jones got a yellow card on that play, committing a foul to kind of stop the counterattack. Um, there was, and then he, you know, Carlos Hill ran like 35 yards to go yell at the assistant referee. Twelman pointed that out. I, I, I don't know. For my captain, I want to see him play to the whistle. Um, and you know, keep going. And we've seen at times where he does that. So I don't know why he was so frustrated in this game that he just stopped playing and went to yell at the assistant referee. But I thought from his, by his standards, this was a poor game from him. And I would like to see the revolution captain play to the whistle and set the example and not just stop playing in the middle of an attacking play. All right. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. This game kind of disappointed me from, from Carly's heel. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, he was lacking composure, um, on a lot of those, those moments where you're talking about approaching the, the, the referees, it, what are you going to gain out of that? They're not going to change our decisions because you're going to go yell at them. I mean, I guess maybe they're going to keep an eye out on something if you're calling something out. But still, you you got to keep your composure. You can't get hot-headed. Uh, it's not going to do anything. And, and you said it, it's going to set really bad examples. And what the captain does is going to reflect on the rest of the team. Um, play to the whistle, keep your composure, and just keep your mouth shut. Unless there's actually some like horrible injustice going on. Like just it's not worth it's not worth the effort to to bring it up you're just gonna put yourself as a negative remark towards the referee and uh, i just don't see any benefit whatsoever in in that sort of uh behavior it also wasn't a particularly bad refereed game i didn't think i mean there was nothing that really stood out to me as a terrible call and the the refs had a man advantage at that point so like what what are you complaining about um i don't know that that just frustrated me to see that and um you know, there, like I said, there's been times where Carlos Hill has been fouled and he kept going and created a great play. And this one, he just stopped and you know, let the counterattack happen, which is disappointing to see from him. And I just don't know. I don't know if we should be concerned by the fact that he was that frustrated in this game or what. And you know, it's been a frustrating season in general um, mm-hmm. overall, but they are on a six game unbeaten streak now for MLS play. So it's something to watch going forward. I'm not too concerned about it yet, but this was a game where I was a little bit disappointed in both Carlos Hill's play and in his body language and decision-making as, as Ronnie Smalls asked. Yeah, it's becoming a trend a bit. So something to keep an it, eye it on. It is the season. Sure. Yeah, it is. So, you know, mm-hmm. when things when things are going great, um, you don't see this from him. But when it's been a little bit of a frustrating season, we've seen it more. Um, you know, even not, not this game so much, but in other games, like his post game comments when, you know, they had one snow game and they won, he wasn't complaining. They had one snow game and they lost and he, you know, started going off the rails and swearing and saying, you shouldn't play in that weather. Um, it is, I don't know. He's such a, he's such a talented player and he's very capable of playing through physical challenges. Um, that that's, that's the Carlos heel. I like to watch that the Carlos heel that stops in the middle of the play and goes and complains to the ref. Uh, so, so yeah, not, not concerned yet, but definitely something I'm keeping an eye on going forward. Um, and we did get a decent amount of listener questions, so I did want to get into those. Uh, but before we do jump into listener questions, I want to take a minute to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Galaco Kits. Galaco Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home 
The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does the selection. If you head to GlockoKits.com today, you can get 15% off your order using the code REVSRECAP. That's REVSRECAP at checkout for 15% off your order at GlockoKits.com. Make sure you check that out. Lots of exciting stuff on there. Plenty of old classic Revolution jerseys. Uh, never never hard to find something on there worth buying. So check out Galaco Kits and use code REVSRECAP. Um, with that, Chris, we got a lot of questions. I'll jump into them. Several people had uh, multi-part questions. Um, Let's hear them. Let's hear them. Yeah, Porter on Twitter asked about a, DC, a DP signing. Uh, should the Revolution get a solid number nine or two U22s? And just to clarify here, if the Revolution get a young DP, they can still sign two U22s. Um, so they have the option of signing somebody that's over 23 as their DP and just doing that, or they have the option of signing somebody that's under 23 and doing that as well as two U22s. Uh, what do you think the Rebs should do, Chris? Uh, I think they should go for a a big number nine, uh, one DP. I like the idea of uh, the two U22 players, but uh, do we know what, what Barrero's contract situation is? Is he a young DP by chance, or would they have to disclose that? Because there was not he's a whole a lot of information. He's a, he's a one of the U22 guys, so he takes the Revs' U22 slot, um, which, as long as Buxa is on the roster, they only have one U22 slot. But if they replace Buxa with a DP that's you know 23 or under, that'll be a young DP, and then they're allowed to sign two more U22. So it really opens up a lot more flexibility if they sign a, a young DP instead of a more senior DP. Okay, so I mean... Ideally, you get another uh, Adam Buxa, and I think we heard from from Taylor Twelman that the Revs are kind of looking for that same type of player for when they brought Buxa in. He was a younger, um, uh, more promising striker, and he developed into what I think is a quite almost world-class striker, I guess you could say. Uh, maybe you don't want to go that far. That's fine. But regardless, I mean, he's scoring at an alarming rate for the revolution in MLS, which is why now he's in France. I think, yeah, the revs go for something similar to that. Uh, ideally, if you, if you're looking at a younger player, then, um, yeah, that, that would be beneficial, I guess. Right. It, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, kind of hemming and hawing over this because going back and forth, like, yeah, it would be great to aim for the young, for the, for the younger age. But I think that that needs to be a secondary thought. Don't try to find a younger player. If you get, the player you want and he happens to fit in to the young dp uh, uh uh portion that's fantastic that's an added bonus but don't go looking for that that's my that's my opinion anyway so my thought is the ideal situation would be you get that young dp as your striker your number nine yep. and then you use those two u22 slots to get another winger um a guy like barrero that can you know compliment him on the other side and then either a defensive midfielder or a center back as your second U22 spot. I think that would be your ideal situation. But I agree with you. If you have the opportunity to sign you know, a top-class number nine that's not going to be young DP, you do it. Um, but ideally, if you can sign a young, very solid you know, striker that's already proven himself with a lot of goals in another league that's, you know, happens to be 22 or under, that's your ideal situation. And they use those two U22 spots to address other needs. Because I do think the Revolution have more needs than just striker right now. Um, but I, I, overall, I agree with you. So we'll, we'll see what Bruce ha- what Bruce does. You mentioned Twelman said that you know he's probably going to go out and sign another Buxa type instead of a Benteke type. That he's not going to mm-hmm. probably sign a over thirty striker with a very proven track record in the top league. Um, more likely a guy like Buxa they can develop and sell. Um, I think that's probably true. And I think Kraft would probably like that better too, as I think Twelman alluded to. Um, although Bruce Arena shot down. 
uh, <laughs> it was asked after the game, you know, Twama said 100% chance you're going to sign a striker with that number nine or with that DP spot. And, and Bruce Arena shot that down and said, how would he know that? Um, so who knows? But, you know, that'll be interesting to see. I think both of us agree that if you can get the opportunity to sign the right young DP and do a striker and keep that flexibility, go through U22 spots, that makes sense. But, you know, the overarching goal should be to get a very solid striker. Yep, 100%. Uh, and then Porter, we touched on these guys a little bit, um, but Porter asked for our thoughts on Omar, Captoom, and T Mac. Do you have anything else to add on, on those guys? No, I, I I think I expect a little bit more out of um, out of T Mac. I think it was just a disappointing night for him tonight, and I think he has those. You know, he has those bad off games, but then he has those games where he exceeds expectations. So it's just kind of what you get from him. Uh, I thought Arner was fine. I thought he's continuing his um, his positive form for the 2022 season. Uh, so it was nice to see him get out there and, and just do well. He didn't do anything extraordinary, didn't change the game, but he didn't ruin it. Uh, he did exactly what he needed to. Um, and nothing else really to add. I think we talked to, touched on Omar briefly. It's he didn't lose you the game today, so that's a that's a positive. Um, uh, otherwise, no, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, other opinions uh, from this match. Yeah, I, I agree. There's, the one thought on Omar is there just one play that stuck in my head where there was a cross and he went for the header and and miss it and it didn't come up to bite the revolution. But he's always one of those guys mm. at six foot five that you, when you see him go up for a header on a cross, you expect him to win it. Um, and it's frustrating because he's not so good at a lot of other aspects of the game that it, you, you know at six foot five you like to see him win those crosses and um, it didn't cost the revolution in this game. I thought he was overall you know by our very low standards for Omar at this point. I thought he was he was decent. Um, just be the fact he didn't cost a revolution in the game. I, if he had gone 90 minutes, I don't know if, if there might have been, you know, a different story. But um, and then you know we talked about Captoon. I don't think either of us were particularly impressed with his performance. Um, T Mac, like you said, I don't think he had a good game. I, I like T Mac better, um, at least this season when we've seen him kind of play more of that defensive midfield role next to Poster, and his role's been more defined. I think he's done a better job with that. So I think he was kind of asked to do, uh, I, I don't know, maybe too much or maybe not as defined enough of a role as he should have. Uh, with him but yeah i think i think overall we agree on 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 those guys Mm -hmm. um and then porter asked about petrovic and goal and our thoughts on him james downing also asked up our thoughts on petrovic and goal uh charles maddox asked about our thoughts on petrovic and goal so in general i think we need to give our thoughts on petrovic and goal yeah let's do that uh i'm i'm pleasantly surprised i think uh i i expected it to be a good signing uh given the fact that bruce arena former goalkeeper uh, and uh, Kevin Hitchcock, who seems to have an eye for goalkeepers, are uh, on the coaching staff. Uh, I expect them to make a good signing there. Uh, I think Petrovic seems to be that. He looks uh, pretty promising, still young. I know Bruce didn't necessarily um, like or maybe he thought he could have done better with uh, that Johnny Russell goal, but uh, don't take away anything from Johnny Russell on that. That was just a, a fantastic bender from him. And uh, don't put any blame on Petrovic. That's not his fault that went in. Uh, otherwise, I thought he had a, had a solid game. He showed really good hands, uh, showed good positioning, uh, and he showed that uh, when he sees his defense getting out of sorts, he's going to uh, talk to them. I don't know if you caught this as well, but there was a couple of moments in the match. I don't remember the specific uh, of the context of the plays, but uh, uh, Kansas City kind of went through the defense or through the midfield, and uh, plays ended up resulting in nothing. But you could see Petrovic off the side of the screen uh, coming up and starting to yell at some of the midfielders for not tracking the runners uh, and not staying with um, their players, not being in the right position. Whatever it was that he was saying, I'm not really sure. But you could see him being vocal about it, and that's something that you want to see in a keeper. You want a leader. You want someone that's not afraid to to 
instruct the player, the other players, the field players on on where they need to be or what they're doing wrong because the goalkeeper sees it all from that position. So uh, it was nice to see that. He's very promising. And those are my thoughts on Georgie Petrovic. Yeah, I'm with you. And I thought Bruce Arena's comments were interesting because he, he did say that he thought he was good the entire game. But I thought it was interesting that Bruce did say that you know, as he gets a little bit more experience and a little bit better technically, he's probably going to make the save on that free kick. Because um, I thought it was a really good free kick, and mm-hmm. it was about as close to, to the box as you can get without being a penalty kick. And, you know, he curled that right into the upper corner. So, you know, maybe if Petrovic was positioned more, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I, I don't really I think, think he could have been positioned more centrally, right? Because he was positioned a bit to the right, expecting not expecting the wall to do a shot. Job. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, and maybe the wall. Maybe the wall's to blame because the wall didn't. Yeah, I, just, I was just surprised that that was the way that you know Bruce said that because maybe he could have said that, but I, I thought it was a really good free kick, and I thought you know Petrovic didn't have that much to do in this game, we should say, but he did have at least one really good save that I can remember, and he did what he was asked to do very very well. But uh, we should note that Kansas City's offense wasn't particularly strong in this one, so it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like he was peppered with shots. Um, but I thought he had a good game, and I thought you know everything we've seen from him is is very promising. Um, yep. so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does when he takes over for Matt Turner full-time. Uh, same here. And he, you saw him on, uh, on some set pieces on some corner kicks as well. He came, he came right out and commanded his, uh, his spot. He would, uh, he would handily take the, take the crosses out of the air before it got to any of the attackers. He's showing his size, his presence. And it's just nice to see from such a young guy to have uh, enough confidence to, to be doing that because you need to have that sort of confidence as the keeper. Uh, it's it's just nothing that you can't if if you're going to be shaky or have no confidence at all you're going to end up looking I don't want to throw Cody Crapper under the bus but you're going to look like Cody Crapper out there where he didn't have the confidence he might have had a lot of skill but he didn't have the confidence when he was in net and it showed uh Georgie Petrovich seems to be the complete opposite of that um so hopefully it keeps going um I'm more than happy to to keep rooting for Petrovich and uh jump on the Petrovich train and the last question from Porter was just about the legit absence um I, I don't. I, I had no knowledge or inkling that this was, he was going to miss this game. Did you? And how surprised were you? I mean, again, like I said earlier, I guess I guess he shouldn't be surprised anymore. But how surprised you did not see him as part of the game day roster? Well, at first I was like, oh, maybe he's with the the national team, and I missed that because I'll be honest, I missed this whole entire national team window. So I, I was like, I didn't hear about a call up for him. Maybe I missed it. So I reached out to you guys, and I was like, did you get the call up? And you're like, no, I don't know what's going on. Um, and so, yeah, I was pretty surprised at that point. I figured that you guys, you guys knew something I didn't. And, uh, the fact that nobody really knew was, uh, it was surprising, but also expected, um, at this point with the way that the revs, uh, at the revs comm seems to handle a lot of their injury, um, reporting, but I, I, I just want to know where he is. What's going on with him? Is, is he, is, is it something to worry about? Uh, at the same time, I mean, he's getting what 20 touches per 90, so maybe it's it's a pointless thing to worry about at this point. I don't know. Well, yeah, and, and since you mentioned the national team, I just want to quickly touch on that because Legette was really good for the national team last year, and he's just completely fallen off the radar. I think his play for the Revolution, um, you know, I think he's got zero shot at making the World Cup at this point. Going into the season, I thought, you know, if he had a good year for the Revs that he could have made the World Cup roster, but... I think he's just been not that he's had a terrible year, but he's you know hasn't had anywhere near good enough of the year that he needed to have to make the World Cup roster or even be in consideration. Um, and it's you know disappointing for him that that that's happened. But I I really think that 
because he hasn't had a great start to the year, his any chance he had of making the World Cup is is out the window. And you know, despite the fact that he was what the the U.S.'s leading leader in appearances last year, and I think tied for the U.S. lead in goals last year too. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, disappointing for him. But I think his any chance he had of making the World Cup is is gone. Um, it's like Greg has been reading Twitter or something because the <laughs> the way that everyone reacts when they see him on the on the on the roster, but it is surprising. I don't know what happened to his his call ups. It was the last window first, and then this one all of a sudden, and now yeah, you're you're starting to wonder what that means for for his future with the national team. I do just want to take a moment to laugh at all the people that said. Uh, Bruce Arena was going to ri- was going to revive Josie Altidore's career to the point where he made the World Cup roster. I think there were some people that wrote for MLSsoccer.com that suggested that, um, and that went as far as the, some people even went as far as to say that you know Bruce Arena is going to do, do such a good job with you know Altidore, Omar Gonzalez, and the Jet that all three of them are going to make the World Cup roster, um, and that has definitely not panned out. Well, in all fairness, <laughs> let's wait for Josie to be fit. Okay, we don't know what he's capable of until he's healthy. Yeah, and the comments now that oh, we we knew Josie wasn't going to be fit until you no know, June or July. Like, come <laughs> come on, come on. He was not in. He was not in, injured going into the off season. He was playing for Toronto. You know, I I still don't understand why it took until. I mean, he's still not fit. I I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We've talked about it before. I'm going to waste too much time on it. But I, I when that first comment came out in the press release where Bruce Arena like made some comment, they got like needed a couple months to get fit. I'm like, what? you know, preseason's only like a month and a half. Other guys get fit in that time. Why does he need this much time to get fit? <laughs> I, I don't know. It it boggles my mind. I feel like I could get fit in that time, and uh, <laughs> there's a reason I do audio <laughs> podcasting because I am not fit anymore. Uh, man. Yeah, we spend enough time on the Josie fitness though, so we'll save that. I'll save that for another time. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we're both on the same page there. Like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> but I think it's I, I think it's more the fitness. There's no way he can't be fit. Like, how is he just going home and eating a bag of Funyuns every night? Like, and and not working out during the day or something? Is he waiting to get fit, or is there something else going on? I think it's I think he's thirty two years old and has had a lot of injuries in his career, and he's never going to be that player that we you know saw four or five years ago. And people just and need I to think accept that's, that. I think that's fine, but I'm thirty six years old, and I I can go run for at least forty five <laughs> minutes, and I haven't been training. Yeah, I, I I think that there's expectations over Josie Altidore based on his contract, the length of his contract. You know, the the fact that he was brought in, some saw as, you know, Buxa's replacement, given everyone knew Buxa was probably going to be gone in the summer, um, that were just unrealistic, given jo- Josie's injury history and given Josie's age. And you know, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know if we're ever going to see the Josie that has the impact, even, you know, kind of half the impact that, um, you know, maybe you wanted to see from him, given if you, if you thought he was Buxa's replacement, but... <laughs> Um, we, we actually have some more Josie questions, but I'll, I'll get back to those. <laughs> uh, Traeger Durardi asks, after seeing John Bell play today, I understand why Omar Gonzalez is ahead of him in the depth chart. Do you agree? Yes. Uh, I don't want to say it. Yeah, I do, though. Like, I think John Bell still has a lot of learning to do. Uh, he has he doesn't have the experience. Like, that's the word that we've been saying all season long. And that, that's what I was so high on when when the Omar signing was made. I was unhappy with it at first and trying to to spin it positively so that I could just not be so grumpy. And I really thought that the experience was going to pay off. And maybe once Omar gets back into a regular routine of playing often, maybe you know we've seen it now in the last two games. He's actually looked good. That one goal 
that was really bad, was it uh, two weeks ago now, uh, before the international break, that wasn't because of his defending. So defensively, I think he's looked good in the last two matches that we've seen him. And if he can keep it up uh, and using that experience, and uh, yeah, then I, I guess I understand why he's ahead of John Bell. Um, I still would like to see John Bell get some more minutes because I think he does need that E-word again experience. Just need to get him out there and, and get that uh, MLS minutes under him because I think John Bell has the potential to become a regular MLS starter. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not he can put it all together. Yeah, I agree. And I think that people need to remember, too, that two years ago, John Bell was a left back. You know, he's he was converted to center back. He hasn't been playing center back very long. So, you know, you look at, oh, he's 20, you know, 24 years old. If he was in Europe, he'd be a finished product at that point. He's not a finished product. He needs a lot more experience. And, you know, I'm still very down on Omar Gonzalez. I don't want to see Omar Gonzalez getting a lot of minutes for the Revs. Um, you know, is Omar Gonzalez better than John Bell right now? Probably. Um, but John Bell has a lot of room to improve. Um, and, you know, so I, I think that, I would rather see John Bell getting those minutes and getting better and getting the experience than seeing Omar Gonzalez. But that's that's just my thought. I mean, I, I get why if you want to go with the experienced guy that you know you might put Omar Gonzalez over John Bell right now. But I, I think John Bell still has a lot of room to get better. I do too. I think I still think. I mean, I think everyone thinks we just need Henry Kessler to be healthy and be out there. Still kind of wondering about uh, Henry Kessler being so young and having all these injuries, but. Uh, I definitely want to see see HK out there. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think I still would like to see the Revolution sign another experienced center back during this window if they can, because I'm not happy with any of the options after Henry Kessler, and I'm not happy with how injured Henry Kessler is, as you said. I, I think the Revs need a Jaleel Anibaba-type player, uh, you know, maybe even Antonio De La Mea level. Um, so, someone that you can come in and count on for 30 minutes uh, in a pinch. And uh, Randy LH asks, if we don't bring in another striker, how far can we get on just Gustavo Bo and Josie Altador? That's a loaded question, but I'm, I still think this team is capable of doing MLS Cup. If they can put the pieces together, the way I said it in my, in my takeaway, they have a lot of pieces. It just feels like it's kind of mixed up right now. Things aren't necessarily clicking, but if it is clicking, I think this team is very dangerous. They're creating a ton of chances, and even if they don't have any other additions— they're still creating the chances. It's just a matter of making those chances, find the strikers in the right spot, making sure that when your strikers are taking your shot, when your Gustavo bow is taking their, their shots, it's going on frame. You still have very dangerous fullbacks um, to be able to bomb down the wing and put in great crosses. I think DeWan Jones and Brennan Bay, two of the best in MLS. Uh, so I think there's still a lot of upside for this team, even just the way it is right now with no additions whatsoever. Uh, I don't expect MLS Cup, but I would say they're definitely capable of that sort of level. But they need to put it all together. That's that's just going to be it. Uh, can they do it? Are they able to to get the the chemistry down where they're able to play together so fluidly? I don't know. That's that's the big question mark for me right now. And I, it's thankfully there's still uh, several months to figure that out. Uh, but they need to make sure they're in playoff position first. Yeah, the big question mark to me is health. I, I don't think this is a particularly yeah. deep team anymore, given the guys that they lost. But I think the starting lineup when everyone's healthy is still a very strong team. But you need Henry Kessler to stay healthy. You need Gustavo Bo to stay healthy. Um, you need Carles Hill to stay healthy. And, uh, you know, historically, those are all guys that have had a lot of injuries. So uh, that's asking a lot. So I, I think if they don't sign another striker, 
there is a very big reliance on Gustavo Bo staying healthy, and that's a, a tough thing to rely on. So um, if he stays healthy, I, I think they're a team that could be you know right in the middle of the pack of the Eastern Conference playoff teams, and and you know. Who knows what can happen in the playoffs? Um, but I, I, you know, realistically, I think they're going to be a team that's one of the lower seeds in the playoffs, unless they add more depth or add another striker. Because I, I just don't see all those guys that they need to stay healthy to staying healthy all season. Uh, they haven't so far. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Carlos Hill has, but otherwise they haven't. And you know, knock on wood, Carlos Hill's not been a guy that's managed to stay healthy for a full season uh, very often with the Revolution. Well, and uh, a real quick point I wanted to add too. You were talking about depth, and uh, you know. We've already mentioned it once that Taylor Twelman has kind of been hinting that the Revs are, are looking at that number nine and Bruce is kind of like downplaying it. Who knows what's going on with that as far as that if that's going to be the DP or not. But Taylor Twelman just tweeted out right now in response to one of his other uh, tweets about the Revs signing a forward uh, saying who's to say that they don't go get a center back or midfielder as well. So maybe Taylor knows something. Maybe there's already something in the works um, where the Revs are looking at center back right now. Um, if not, then I am just feeding the fodder uh, and, you know, go blame Taylor Twelman, not me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, James Downing asks, um, would you agree that Barrero is indeed the Tejan Buchanan, uh, or indeed is the Tejan replacement? John Pilkin can also ask, do you like what you see from Barrero so far? And Charles Maddox also asked about Barrero. I think we, I talked about Barrero for a while. Anything else to add there? And do you think he is indeed the Tejan replacement? I mean, I guess uh, uh, positionally and dynamically, yeah. I think that's going to be the short answer. We kind of went over it a bit at the beginning. Um, but overall, if you want a short answer, I'd, I'd say yes. Yeah, I think he is. I, I mean, I, like we said, I think there's room for improvement. I don't think he's Tejan's level yet, but I definitely think right. he's the replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, James also asked thoughts on the on the buy to Europe rumors. I don't know if you saw those, but there was a rumor that he might go to Fulham, and then I think there was a, a French team too in the mix. I did see him. I don't know how much I believe them. However, I think that Brennan Bay is a hot commodity. I mean, a, a right back that's able to cross as well as Brennan Bay has been doing lately, as much as he's. Uh, improved and he's shown rapid improvement and you know uh growth like that it only proves that it doesn't necessarily prove but it, it kind of hints that it could just keep going and keep getting better and if he could do that i can absolutely see him playing over in europe uh, i don't necessarily buy into the rumors that i'm hearing right now but uh who knows there's there's a lot of a lot of rumors flying around so yeah i'm not buying it um i i like brandon by i think he's done a great job for the revolution he's not premier league quality um, he's not, he's not going to jump up to the premier league. Uh, there's questions about what the change in work permit rules, whether he could get a work permit. I, I think you'd have a tough tr- time getting a work permit with zero caps. I think he's about 15th on the U S men's national team, right back depth chart. Um, I think he's a, a great MLS right back and, you know, maybe he could go to Europe in the future. If he does, it's not going to be the premier league. Um, right. it's not going to be, it's not going to be premier league. It's not going to be La Liga. It's not going to be. You know the Bundesliga. It's not going to be a top five yet. Yeah, yeah. So I, the the Fulham rumor I don't buy into at all, and I think if that's who Fulham's looking for as they go up to the Premier League and get promoted, um, they're going to have a rough season in the Premier League. No, again, no offense to Brandon Bay, who I think is a really good player for the Revolution. I just think that's right. a huge leap, and not very many MLS players make that leap. And Brandon Bay, you know, as a guy that's not even close to the U.S. Men's National Team pitcher, does not seem to me like he's going to be that guy that makes leaps to the Premier League. So I don't put any faith into the Fulham rumor, but right. And you look at Deandre Edlin too. I mean, he just came back. So, uh, and I think that he's been underwhelming, I guess, uh, 
uh, since he's been back for with Miami, but that's uh, I, I don't know. I see I see that's just a hard time for the Revolution to even let him go because what's the backup plan there? The Revolution are already in trouble, so uh, I, I don't buy any of those rumors. Well, the other thing too is he's not that young, right? You talk about uh, DeAndre Evelyn coming back mm-hmm. and how many years he played in Europe, and you know he's DeAndre Evelyn's only two years older than Brandon Bay. Uh, he's, he's actually, I think he's, I think he's actually, um, yeah, he's, like, he's only two years older than Brandon Bay, so it's not like, like he's a 26 year old player. And when you're a Premier League team that's looking at a guy that's not ready for the Premier League yet, but might develop into that, you're not looking at a 26 year old. Um, right. So again, this is not meant to brash on Brandon Bay because I think the Revolution are in a very good position with him as a right back. I just. You know, I think things are getting a little crazy because there's so many good Revs players that are going to Europe. And Dewan Jones strikes me as a guy that could go to Europe. Um, I Brandon by I I don't know. I, I could could he go to Europe? Yes, but I just it's not going to be the Premier League. But maybe I'll, maybe I'll be proven wrong. But I can't yep. I can't see it. Um, Teal forever. He asks, is it time to give up on the Josie Altador project? Uh, has it begun? Uh, I don't know. I... I, I give Josie the season. I mean, before I have any serious opinions, I mean, I'm going to make the jokes all year long, uh, as long as I can, as long as he's allowing me to. But um, no, I think overall, before I really make any definitive decisions, I think we knew what we were getting with Josie. We're getting an older uh, player with a with an injury history that is a shell of what he used to be, but maybe still has the ability to pull uh, a rabbit out of a hat every once in a while. I don't necessarily think that he's going to be a long-term solution for the Revs' main striker. I think, you know, that's Gustavo Bo that's going to be pulling that load unless the Revolution make a signing, uh, where I think it's going to be similar to tonight where you see Altidore come on late, um, and that's where the the crosses uh, are going to really start coming in because Josie's good in the air. Um, and he, he's good at, he's good at finishing. It's just a matter of getting into position and, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've gone on this rant enough times now where I don't know if it bears repeating, but uh, I'm going to wait till the end of the year before I give my final judgment, I think on Josie, or maybe, you know, give it till mid September. I don't think we have the luxury of giving up on the Josie Altidore project, unfortunately. No, we don't. Um, especially with Adam Buxa gone now officially. So, uh, you know, it's not time to give up on it. Um, he's got a long leash. They've committed a lot towards him both this year and in the next two years. Um, and even if you want to talk about it, I think it's way too soon to talk about it. But even if you want to start talking about, you know, who is your offseason buyout, I think there's a couple of candidates ahead of Josie right now. And you only get one of them. So, mm-hmm. um, you know. It's it's far too soon to give up on the Josie Altidore project. Well, I would say both of us have been very underwhelmed with his fitness um, and kind of shocked by how long it's taking him to get fit. Um, you know, you, you can't give up on him yet. Um, right. And then Teal also had a comment. He really liked the spark that Arnor and Ema gave off the bench. Let's keep doing that. I yes. liked it too. The only, my only comment is I thought Ema should have come on sooner than he did. Um, but I think both of us were pleased with the spark they brought, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, definitely sooner. I- 73rd minute is when he when he came in um but i guess quick side note that this brings me to is that bruce used all five subs tonight which is a rare occurrence so uh uh, applaud bruce shout out bruce good job um i think you know one of them was due to injury because that's when uh came on for for barrero but uh yeah that's that's two of them were two of them were due to injury because bell came on for gonzalez who apparently had concussion symptoms so there's he made five subs but two of them were forced um, but yeah, it's still all the same. Good to see all five subs. Um, and then last question from 
from Teal Forever was was Omar out of position on the break that set up the goal. I don't know that either of us. I, we were both talking before the podcast. Um, I don't remember seeing that, and unfortunately, neither of us got a chance to go back and look at it. So I can't I can't confirm or deny that Omar might have been out of position on that break. Um, Bruce it's didn't plausible. even think it was a. It is possible. Bruce didn't even think it was a foul by the refs. He thought that he thought that the refs were fouled um, by the player in his post game comments. So again, I didn't get. A, I I wish I had kind of gone back and looked at the foul um, in the play to see if Omar was there and whether or not the refs were actually fouled instead of the opposite. Um, but I guess a lot of a lot of questions on that play that unfortunately we didn't get the chance to go back and look at. Yep, I don't have much to add to that. Yeah, I think you covered it. At- That's plausible. Is the only thing I'll say because it is Omar. But I <laughs> yeah. think he played well. So I'll. I'll give him the credit and the benefit of the doubt for tonight, and I'll say no. And if, Omar I'm, Gonzalez, if I'm wrong, 90, he can sweep me. 96.1% passing accuracy for Omar Gonzalez in this one, so I'm going to give him some credit for that uh, yeah. because his passing has been a problem at times this season. Um, one last question we got. John Pilkington wanted to know, what would you prioritize for signings? Again, I think we touched on this a little bit with the question about DP and U22s earlier, but Chris, who, what would you prioritize for signings this summer? It's so tough because I, I, I think they need a lot of help in the midfield, but there's so much crowded. It's so crowded in the midfield right now. And I think with uh, Dylan Barrero addition and Sebastian Legette still kind of working his way into the offense, um, I still think maybe that's a bit wait and see. So uh, for me, I think you need a, you need a new number nine. You need a, an actual striker. Uh, a lot of chances coming in, not enough going in the net. Uh, so I think that's where I prioritize the defense is it's going to be leaky. I guess I don't think one player is going to necessarily solve that. Uh, if any signings you make are probably going to be a depth piece anyway. Uh, so I'm prioritizing uh, getting a number nine. Yeah, I'm with you. I think number nine has to be the priority. Um, at the same time, I think the Revolution could use another winger option. I think they're still you know, very limited in their options there. Tommy There's, McNamara you know, is not good for you? Yeah, I don't I don't like seeing Tommy McNamara on the wing. I don't like seeing Leggett on the wing. I think he's better in the center. Um, so it's really just Barrero and Boateng for me that are actually the true wingers, and I'd like to see them add another option there. I'd like to see them add another defensive midfielder. I think when Polster's out um, or when they want to play two defensive midfielders, they're kind of limited there. I don't think Maciel has... Um, you know, maybe he hasn't, he hasn't had much of a chance this season, but I think the fact that he hasn't had that much of a chance this season shows that maybe he's not ready in Bruce's mind. So I'd like to see another option there. And like I said earlier, I'd still like to see another, you know, veteran center back, like you mentioned, uh, Andy Baba or even De La Mea kind of caliber guy to, to be an option when, um, unfortunately when Henry Kessler is inevitably not healthy because he's just, it's happened too often. And again, Andrew Farrell too, you know, now at 30, um, he's been an Iron Man for the Revolution, but you know, at some point, you know, again, knock on wood, uh, you can't count on him playing every single game over a, a busy season. So they, I, I would like to see um, not necessarily more numbers at center back, but better, better depth at center back uh, going forward. So that, those are the ones that that I I see as kind of the needs. And I think we got through all the questions. Uh, I don't know if you had anything to add there, Chris, or if you had any final thoughts. Nope. Uh, if you want anything, I'm still riding the the Tristan Blackman train. I think that's that's the Revs' uh, target. So I'm going to just keep uh, hanging my hat on that until it doesn't happen. Uh, otherwise, uh, that's it for me. And I, I know you're on a bit of a social media hiatus, but where can people follow you on social media? I am, I, I, I'm a bit more back now. I just I haven't downloaded Twitter back on my phone yet. So we'll see if that happens. I think I think that might change in the next coming days because I, I need to do a Spaces event soon. But uh, anyway, on the, off that tangent, uh, find me over on Twitter at Chris Lucas, it's the best place to get, to reach out. And uh, yeah, I love uh, love chatting revs. So let's let's talk. 
And you can follow me at Sean Aldonio on Twitter. And of course, follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Easy to find just at Revolution Recap. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out our friends at the Bent Musket for all their New England Revolution coverage. Thanks again for listening. And we will be back. Well, I don't know if we're going to do a Spaces Wednesday. Chris, do you know if we're doing one? I think, I think, I think we are. I think it's official. Um, uh, uh, it's 99% <laughs> official. We, ha- we haven't uh, set, scheduled it yet, but we've been talking about it. Well, one way or another, follow us on Twitter. We'll let you know. um, And we'll be back next weekend as well uh, with the podcast after that game. So, again, thanks again for everyone for listening.